Hey, everybody. Uh, it's Matt. I'm hosting the Blizzard Watch podcast from my office. I was going to act like this is unusual, but I always do this from here. Work from home doesn't mean nothing when you work from home constantly. Like, I, I can't... I realize that on a worldwide scale, lots of crazy stuff is happening, but it's not yet hit me personally. So it's weird. I'm watching other people react, and I don't know how to react. But we're doing a podcast. We're talking about Blizzard and its games. Uh, one thing I would like to do right now, though, is introduce my co-host, Joe. Joe, say hello to everybody. Hey, everybody. Hope everybody's having a good and safe day. Yeah, I definitely hope you guys are safe. I'm going to ask you, Joe, are you doing anything differently in terms of your gameplay? Like, is, is what's going on in the world affecting you right now, or are you still pretty much the same? Uh, so this is kind of a weird one because I live with an immunocompromised person, so business mm -hmm. as usual for me. Like, I'm still washing my hands 8,000 times a day, coughing into my elbow instead of my hands and making sure everything's clean and that I don't, you know, stay around weird people. So, I yeah. mean, weirder than normal, whatever that is. The weirdest part for me in all this is that it's very since there's not enough tests for people to get tested, um, I'm, I'm generally low-level sick all the time. Mm -hmm. Like, the symptoms that they're talking about, I almost always have a cough. Uh, not a huge one, like I'm not hacking up a lung, but I cough every so often. Uh, runny nose is fairly common, especially if I go outside. Um, so when I'm looking at the list of symptoms, I'm like, yep, yep, yep. It's like, um, I can't get tested for this, and I'm not like in pain or impaired in a significant way. So I just have to kind of stay home. Like my wife is self self quarantining, self what do they call it? Self isolating. Self isolating. Uh, for the next two weeks because her work put out a thing saying this is these are the symptoms if you have any of these then self-isolate so she's self-isolating but you know what i mean it's like it's one of those this is all i'm going to move this on to an actual discussion of world of warcraft for a second because one of the things that hit me and, and we did a post about this before this all happened but one of the biggest events in world of warcraft history is the corrupted blood plague yeah which which actually and was so big that it was used by the CDC as a model for studying infectious disease. Yeah, I was going to mention that because it was on the Sawbones podcast that they covered it. Yep. Um, they're using it right now to model the effects, the way the coronavirus is being spread. Yep, because it's um, pretty similar as far as contact. Yeah, the way people are is, it's a video game. It's not a real thing. That is, the Cartoon Blood Plague isn't a real disease. But the way the people playing the game are real people. And you can get a sense of how people react to these things by looking at how they reacted. Some people went out of their way to spread it. Some people just didn't think it was a big deal and ignored it. Other people were like, ah, I'm not getting anywhere near that. And, you know, took the steps of getting themselves away from places like, like Iron Forge and Orgrimmar. Uh, maybe some like, log their characters off to make sure they wouldn't get it, you know, effectively isolating them. That kind of thing is really interesting to me. And it's something that it's weird to think about, like, I remember playing back in, like, I think it was, Corrupted Blood Plague was, like, 2005? Zul'Gurub, when Zul'Gurub yeah. was released, so. So, yeah, about 2005. Um, and I found out about that plague um, because one of the characters, one of the people in my raid, uh, one of our hunters, summoned his pet in Ironforge, not understanding that it would happen. Yep. Because like, this was a bug. That the plague that Hakar put on you would it would end when you died, but if you had a pet and you like you put it away, it didn't, not if it died. If the pet died, it wasn't a problem. You could res the pet; and it would be fine. But if you but if unsummoned you, if you, it, if you dismissed your pet, not dismissed, but you know, yeah, you you told your pet take a hike because you didn't want it to die for some reason, 
Uh, I think it was, it was actually because he didn't feel like feeding it the food it would take to get its happiness up after yep. it died. So he dismissed it before he died. And then he pulled it out in Orgrimmar and boom. So one of our hunters was actually helped help spread that plague through, uh, through uh, our Iron Forge. Yeah, we had a we had a similar thing happen with one of our hunters back in that back during then too because uh, during the Hakar fight you could run out of food because back then if you were a hunter you had to feed your pet sometimes in the middle of combat to keep yeah. their happiness up because it affected their DPS. And if their happiness went if they died they they weren't happy. Yeah, they, so, they didn't. And if you ran so, out of food, you would unsummon it so that you would either a wouldn't lose the pet because if they got unhappy for too long. Would run they, away. they would run away and you'd have you'd just lose everything you invested into that pet. Uh but yeah, no, that was pretty common. But it was it, it's interesting to to talk about that because uh I was talking about this with some of the guys at work, my at my new place of employment, because they had never heard of this. They're too young. Uh, yeah. So don't don't feel old or nothing, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, keep in mind that that was two thousand five, which was fifteen years ago. Um yeah, 15 years ago. If you had a kid that year, it's 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 in high school. I shouldn't say it. I should say they. Sorry. Yeah. Anyway, so talking about that, let's actually talk about some other stuff going on. One of the things that I thought worth mentioning was uh, last week we found out, um, after we did the show actually, that your, your um, Azerite essences on your on your uh, heart of Azeroth, if you have them like a like a rank three one right now. Uh, if your if your essences are at rank three or rank, four, it doesn't matter how you know just one. If you have them, then your alts can now get them, without having to like grind through all the stuff kinda. to earn them. Kind of, they still do have to do some grinding. This is not. When I first heard about it, I thought, yeah, that's a great idea. Just let people have the essences that they've earned on their main. But it is not that simple, and it is not that convenient. Because um, Blizzard is a Janus-faced god of duality, and they give me with one <laughs> hand, and then they slap me with the other hand. Yeah, um, those those echoes of Nihilatha, how they treating you? I haven't even started. I haven't even bothered. They took them out of the game at... right now. Actually, there was a at the time as 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 the time of this recording, uh, they were currently removed from the game because people weren't able to turn in emissary quests. Mm, okay, yeah, I can see that being a problem. Uh, I, I literally, I, I logged on my main just for this show um, and haven't even bothered with my alts yet because it's like, yeah, it's a lot of work. If you look at what you have to actually do, you have to basically clear a ton of content to get Echoes of Nihilatha to buy the essence that you already have on your main. Like, and you, you, it's There's a vendor. I think it's, it's Mother, right? It's, it's Mother. Mother, mother for yeah. 500 Echoes. We'll give you one of the essences you already have at level but three. There's tricks to it too. So if you are a rank three, like if you have a healer with a bunch of rank three healing specs, because don't forget, like the raids have essences that uh, when you combine them, they mark as your spec, and then you can get the other spec. So if you only have the main spec one, if you're a DPS character, you don't get to buy the DPS version of that rank three essence. It's only the actual literal essences that you have unlocked in your main. Yeah. Like I said, Janus face got a duality, yep. uh, but you know, Hey, it, it's, it's news. You should be in you should be aware of it. At least it's something. I do think it's a step in the right direction. I think it should have gone further towards being usable. 
uh-huh. maybe like instead of coming, instead of coming up with a new currency and a new thing to keep track of, just give people the essences. Just give it to them. Just give them. Give give. But that's not what happened. So, yeah. Uh, but also, I should mention another thing we should talk about is uh, last week Steve Denuser uh, spoke with uh, I forget it's like the Windows Magazine essentially it's it's Microsoft's Windows Windows mag. Central. Yeah, and he uh, did an interview about both Battle for Azeroth and Shadowlands in terms of the narrative design and in terms of storytelling and so forth. Did you get a chance to read it? I did. I think we'll probably talk about this more at some point on Lore Watch, but it's an interesting so discussion to have here just for the, the less lore-focused but more game effect aspect of it. One of the points he made was that they're aware that sometimes they do stuff that people want resolution for. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm I'm the poster boy for this because I really want to know. I want to see an end to what happened in Battle for Azeroth. I want the, the story to have a conclusion. I want it to be a conclusion that I feel is earned, if that makes sense. And he says, one of the things he said that I, I'm having trouble with just as a person, but I understand, is that sometimes they do st- stuff knowing that it's not going to get wrapped up, that it, it will be out there it will linger it will go into the next expansion and maybe the one after that and it won't that's just a form of storytelling that they're doing um i wanted to get your take on that if you had a chance to read it and what you, what you think of what he said so one of the things that really i'm, I'm trying to think of how to how to pinpoint my feelings on this i talked about this a little bit on in lore watch and it's something that i feel is echoed here which is Sometimes you don't get a payoff for years. And to me, that's okay. And you can look at things and see where the seeds were planted or the story progressed over the course of, at this point, you know, 15 years. And if you've been around in the game, you know, you've seen them, or if you've played through the content, you may have seen some of these things. And a lot of what we're getting now is payoff for stuff that started being planted way, way long ago. Uh, but there are still things that we don't have resolution for yet that we might not get resolution for for a long time to come. It all depends on pacing and timing and what they decide is right and when. Um, And if nothing else, I would say the Battle for Azeroth in particular showcased that they are more than happy to plant even more seeds, not just worry about resolving the ones that they have out there. Uh, But it was interesting to hear or read him basically say that, which was good, at least to me. Like, I'm fine with it. Like, I think it's, I think it's, it's how it should be. Right. Um, you shouldn't have to rush, rush to resolution. And cause sometimes resolution doesn't make sense yet. Well, and plus, I mean, this is a big freaking game. It's huge. It's bigger than it was ever intended to be. Let's not forget that. And it's very hard to, you can't wrap up every character you use in an expansion story of, of you know what I mean? That we, we can't really just resolve everybody and get them all to, to status quo by the end. This isn't like a comic book. Uh, it's comparable to comic books in terms of its scale and the fact that it's episodic storytelling. But the thing about books is when a book is published, you can, you can do this. You maybe shouldn't do this. You should obviously read the whole thing, but let's say you're reading a book and you're getting like a weird feeling about this character and you're afraid of what's going to happen to them and you want to see where it goes. You can read ahead. Yep. 
You cannot read ahead in World of Warcraft. You cannot nope. skip to the to, to the Nazoth fight to see how it all wraps up until they actually put the Nazoth fight out. And even if so, you think you're going to get slick and do uh, data mining, they're getting way better at hiding that stuff too. Oh yeah, they encrypt stuff all the time now. They put like, good they luck. Put, they put false positives in there. They put red herrings. Like you, they are doing everything they can to keep you from figuring out what's happening next. I don't mind that personally. I'm one of those people that I really enjoy the ride. Uh, but yeah, no, I can see why some people would have trouble with it. Yeah, it's, it's just, it is a kind of storytelling that does not have the same, the, the same way of unfolding. It doesn't, you can't consume it at your pace. You can only consume it at the pace that is delivered. Mm-hmm. That's the, that's true of other things as well. Like for instance, we just did the pre-show where we were talking about the Marvel cinematic universe. Uh, you couldn't, you know, but at least when Marvel puts out a movie, the entire movie is there. And you can consume it, like you can watch it at home, whatever. It's not like a video game where the video game storyline is told through your player actions, and then it's also told by when they release the next patch. So there's there's a difference to it that is interesting. One of the things that they talked about in this interview with with, uh, Steve, by the way, was how they're going to be doing it. One of the things that they talk about a lot is some players really don't like feeling like you're a a big damn deal. To, to use the phrase, they don't like being like the champion, the battle lord, whatever. They they want to they they remember back to original World of Warcraft where you were just one of a faceless multitude of characters, and that's something they want back. And uh, Steve did make the point that it's kind of infeasible to to like accept the idea that after you've killed Ragnaros and Deathwing, that people don't know who you are. If your character has, you know, successfully completed these raids, people would know who they were. It's just, it would not work. But they are backing away from the whole champion thing. With the the mall walkers, you're a mall walker in Shadowlands. Did, did you see that part? I did, and I actually really appreciate that. Because while you are important, you are not the only one. There are others that can do what you do. And I think that's a really cool step back to that because that's that's something I've I've com- I don't want to say complained about, but it's something I I miss a little bit. Like, don't get me wrong, being the hero of the story is kind of cool, but we've been the hero of the story for how many years now? I'd like to be, uh, I'd like to go back to when we weren't just everybody was super special, right? Uh, but yeah, no, the Mallwalkers I think is a really cool step towards that, but still keeping. Uh, that that feel of the you are important as a character it's a i think it's going to have a nice balance to it and i think the idea that it is not a singular title uh is really really nice because that's the other thing too like the title matters a little bit too if you look at just the last two expansions like you said the champion the farseer the the Death speaker, commander, the commander, the commander in War of Draenor. You were the commander, yeah, the commander of the garrison. Like those are singular titles. Those are meant to portray you as uh, like standing above. Like you don't have a peer, right? You are above everybody else. This is a step bringing you back down, and now you are going to belong to a group, an important group, but still a group. And I like that. I like that a lot. Okay. Um, last thing in news, I think, before we start talking about them, their emails that we get. Um, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but uh, Hearthstone's kicking around, and they just today teased out, uh, it's even straight up released, that the new expansion is going to have a new class for, for Hearthstone. 
I think the first time that they've introduced a new class, like ever, isn't it? Like, I don't think they have playable classes besides the ones that launched. They had the Death Knight expansion there. Everybody was a Death Knight, but that's not quite the same thing. Yeah, that was uh, the, about the closest that they've gotten to it because even throughout the years, they've released alternate versions of the classes, like of the characters, but nothing quite like this. This is the first time they're introducing a new class, which is interesting because this is something people have been asking for since Hearthstone first came out. Yeah, because Hearthstone just had the the WoW classes, like the original WoW classes, right? Like it didn't have Death Knights, it didn't have Monks. Yeah, it's um, just the originals, like Shaman, Paladin, Warrior, Hunter, Rogue, uh, Mage, Priest, and Druid. Yeah, they have Warlocks too, don't they? And Warlocks. Excuse me, sorry, I forgot. Not I forgot you leave Warlocks was... out; they'll kill us. I I forgot Ghoulie Dan was there. Warlock players will not let you. T- you can't mention mages and not mention them. They'll they'll kill us all. So, but yeah, but yeah, yeah no, this, it's it's cool. It's cool. I'm I'm looking forward to watching Ted play it. What get, what got me about it was uh, the the intro was a little different than they've been doing like funnier ones lately, like funny little videos and so forth. This one wasn't really funny. This one was just uh, Liam O'Brien, the voice actor who does Illidan's voice, reading a, a poem basically from the perspective of Illidan, as far as I could tell. Yep, uh, and it was actually pretty creepy. Like, you're not gonna lie, it was pretty creeped out. Like, yeah, yeah, okay, then, yeah, definitely the kind of dude who'd be a demon hunter. All right, uh, but yeah, you correct I'm me not... if I'm wrong, but this is probably also. I think this is the most. Um, I don't want to say involved release, but it seems like the most thoughtful thing that they've they've put out as far as like what's coming in Hearthstone since Ben Brood left. Well, I mean, one of the things that I I saw uh, Celeste Cecilon um, post on Twitter. One of the things they're wanting to do is they've been listening to people complain about stuff uh, for Hearthstone for a while, that it's too expensive to get into, that uh, it's too involved and complicated, and they want to address that. They want to make an, they want to change the game up so that it's cheaper to get into, that you can afford to play it without like you know dumping tons of good games like this always have a, a spectrum of players, and two of the more important ones are the fish who are basically just your standard I-play-this-game type, and the whales. And whales are the people who will drop, like, $5,000 on cards. They're the ones who, like, play free-to-play games online on their phones and spend all that money on all the upgrade stuff. They keep games like this going. But if you don't, if you only have them, the game will die. Yep. The game will always... You can't sustain a game on whales. You can't. People who can drop five k, you know, five k dollars, like actual money, on a game are rare, and you cannot sustain a game like that. You need the people who just come in and play every so often. Maybe they'll buy a pack because they're bored and they've got five bucks. And it looks to me like, based on what Celestalon tweeted, that that's what he's going. For, that's what they're going for, is to make the game friendlier for those people so that the game can build its base. It can have more people playing. And keep in mind, Hearthstone's still got, like, it's got, like, a 30 million player base or something like that. It's crazy high. A lot of people play this game. They don't play it every day. They don't play it every expansion. But they come back and they play, and then they stop and go do other things, and then they come back. Uh, it's For people who like it, it's very popular. Um, I've played it every so often. Not very much, because, quite frankly, I am terrible at card games. I was the guy that when everyone else was playing Magic Gathering, I just watched them play it because uh, I, I thought it was cool, but I didn't want to play it. 
basically the same way I am with with Overcooked. You will never get me to play Overcooked. It's not going to happen. That game is nuts. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think it's interesting that they're moving in this direction with, with Hearthstone. It, it remains to be seen how well they pull that off. But yeah, I, I, quite frankly, I would love it if the Hearthstone team and the World of Warcraft team would like d- like each design something for the other person's game. Because, I mean, obviously, you know, guys like Dave Kosak are over there. Uh, and, and, of course, Chad, you know, Celestalon is working on Hearthstone. These are people who know WoW pretty well. I would like love it if there was more inter- interconnectivity between the two games. Um, but I, I guess, unless there's something, any, do you think of anything news-wise you'd want to talk about? No, nothing else really comes to mind. All right, cool. Then I guess we're going to move on to then their emails and other questions. Uh if you have a question for the show, uh, you can either email it to us at podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast or blizzardwatch so we know it's for this show. I also see a lot of people's going for the main show. Uh, as long as you, you know, as long as it's pretty clear that you mean this show and not lore watch, we will take it. Um, but it, it helps if you, if you specify, if you break it out so we know. Um, however, also, if you don't want to email us for some reason, maybe you just don't like emailing, uh, but you have you, you can always go to our Discord channel, I mean our Discord server, and we've got a channel called uh, Patron Q and Podcast Questions. So if you're a patron, you can go ahead and ask a question there, and you just tell us you know what if it's for the podcast or not, and we will we'll answer it here. It's uh, I think two of the questions to this week come from there, so definitely appreciate you guys using that too. Doesn't matter. Uh, Joe reads them for us because I only have one working eye, uh, so if you don't mind, Joe, not at all. Uh, hi, Watchmen. While new races or classes may be on people's minds, race class combinations is on mine. Ever since I did the Warlords uh, Warlords Alliance side, I was sold on Draenei Rogues. Uh, the Ragnari were essential to the storyline and just make so much sense. Maybe with the return of Urel, maybe the Ragnari could lead a force of renegades trying to escape her light-forged army. The Paladin question for Night Elves and the Forsaken is a good one. Zandalari got theirs, and Shaman Focal Turins balance out, but I do not think there needs to be a strict balance here. What are your thoughts? This comes from Easy Target, who got that name on both uh, two different servers. So congratulations, Easy Target. What do you think, Matt? I think I've been up front from the beginning saying that I think all races should be able to play all classes. Like, I mean, when Dungeons & Dragons, like, comes comes forward and says, yeah, that race class thing was weird. We're just, you can do whatever. Um, I think that, wow, should learn that lesson and move on. I, I don't see any reason why you can't make that happen. Uh, yes, some races have weird racials that would interact weird with the class, but um, here's an idea. Dump racial abilities. Yep. There, we solved it. Um <laughs> I know that, you know, someone out there is like, I love my racial. Yeah, I'm sure you do, man. And I'm sure it's a really cool racial, uh, especially some of them are really, really cool. But I think that if that's the reason why we can't have Draenei rogues, then no, dump it. And if the reason we can't have Draenei rogues is, well, they have hooves. Like, dude, I'm carrying around two swords, each of which is like nine feet long. Like, yeah, I, I mean, I'm, we we live in a world where shoulder armor is larger than some entire races. We live in a world where I've seen rogue players who are like, you know, like let's use the, the my favorite example. Imagine that blood elf rogue you just saw, who's carrying around supposedly one-handed swords that are each bigger than their entire leg. 
Like, go look at a blood elf rogue carrying the spite blade around sometime, <laughs> and then tell me that you know, no, no, I, I put my void elf, my my void elf death knight is using the spite blade right now because because I just went frost on her, and that thing is enormous. It is the the size of her entire torso and legs. And that's a one-handed weapon that she is dual-wielding. You're going to tell me that a rogue can carry those, but they can't be silent because they got clippy-clippy feet? Um, no, not not buying it. Uh, just no. It's, go ahead and say that the Drenai use special magic so they can be sneaky. I don't care. Let's See, just move on with this. I agree. I, I cannot disagree with you in any capacity because shout-outs to Kadistra, uh, who's out there in... in uh, the greater internet world, uh, but her original character sold me on the idea of having Torin rogues, and I still want Torin rogues. And dang it! Wait, don't they have the long striders or whatever who are constantly like they sneaking do. around on Kane, on on like Bane's behalf? Sure, yeah. The idea that you can't have a Torin rogue. Who cares? We let orcs be rogues, and orcs are the size of like trees. And even then, uh, orcs I, like got your, three I got your. I got. I got your lore justification here for that one too, folks. They're attuned with the earth so the earth mother grants them silent steps done next what well, about the drenai then they just have soft feet okay their, their the, hooves the, are soft they they're filled with the light and the light makes them lighter ta-da they actually they're actually floating about a half a quarter inch off the ground there you go i don't care just but, give everybody everything I, yeah. I just give give gnomes like you know shaman give give uh dwarves warlocks and dwarves have warlocks i don't just give everybody everything. I don't care how ridiculous it sounds. I don't care. There are like 12, 13 classes. There's 36 specs out there. Every area should have access to all of them. We're 100% agreed. Now, Easy Target wasn't done with us, uh, and this one comes with a warning. Do not use this if you think it may give the devs a pile of bad ideas. I mean, have you listened to our show? We give the devs piles of bad ideas, I think, weekly at this point. Trust me, the, the devs spend a lot of time listening to me scream, my shoulders! They, they, they love my pain. They, they don't care. Uh, hi, Watchers. In Diablo, we can find some artifacts from World of Warcraft, Blackthorn's armor, and probably a few other items that kind of break the separation of the franchise. Franchises. Do you think Blizzard would use the Shadowlands, which are in theory infinite, to break the separation further? Tychus Findlay raised by the Lich King. I kind of like that. The last Vikings are practically dwarves to begin with. Uh, Gerard Lacroix uh, leading a resistance and Deckard Kane because Deckard Kane. Uh, yes, please. I mean, technically, the lost Vikings already exist in World of Warcraft. So, yeah, they're in Ultimon. They're in Ultimon. They've been there since day one, man. I don't know if they're actually still there. I remember they, they were there. Okay, cool. I've I haven't been back to Oldemont in like twelve years. I, when I was I can't when whenever I level and I go through Oldemont, I make it a point to find them and just kind of like say hi, you know, hi buddies, miss you. But, but leveling goes quickly enough that I don't even think I've been at Oldemont level long enough to notice. You know, fair enough. That will actually make the uh, thing interesting. But go ahead. I was gonna say I would love to have something that just breaks the separation of all the games that's not Heroes of the Storm. And not that I don't like Heroes of the Storm or what it did and what it represents, it's its own thing. I wouldn't mind seeing some some nods to the other games or some thinning of those walls that separate them to give us some interesting moments. 
imagine Sylvanas talking with Kerrigan. Imagine, you know, Velen trying to explain to, I don't know, Raynor the finer points of the light. Like, you could have very interesting and cool things that just wouldn't occur otherwise. And I think it would be fun to see them in Warcraft that you can interact with them in a way or see them in a way that isn't Heroes of the Storm. Like, here's a, here's an idea. Do you remember Expedition to the Barrier Peaks? I do. Imagine if you just did a regular WoW expansion, like the one after Shadowlands, I assume, because Shadowlands is going to be kind of weird. But you do an expansion where you're doing whatever the, the, the message is. Well, we'll set it this in Battle for Azeroth just for example. So we're doing all our Accord and Alliance stuff, and we're doing the whole thing with the old gods. But imagine if there was one dungeon that was just this weird thing they found in a mountain somewhere. And it's like this strange cave we've discovered, and there's stuff coming out of it that we, we don't know what it is, and it needs to be stopped. So you go out to the mountains, and you 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 find like this expedition that's like been basically overrun. And as you're trying to figure out what happened to those guys, these things come boiling out of the ground, and you have to fight your way through them to the cave. You get to the cave and you go in and the cave is like weird and metal and nothing is ever described as it's never called a Terran battlecruiser from Starcraft. The, the things coming out are never called Zerg, but that's what they are. Yep. And you find like, you know, power armor in there and weird, all the various guns and so forth from the Starcraft universe, but it's all presented as weird magic items. And it's never once, no one ever once says, Oh, it's a chain gun or anything, or it's a flamethrower. It's called like the, the pyrotic lance or what have you, because it's just the people from Azeroth trying to make sense out of this weird stuff they found. That would be cool. I would really like that. I um, absolutely sorry. would as well. Sorry about that. Uh, that was me getting a weird phone call from Ethiopia. Has been <laughs> happening this week. I'm not kidding. I've been getting like phone calls from Ethiopia. They they call the phone rings and as soon as I try to answer, they hang up. It's really confusing. Uh, but anyway, sorry about that. Uh, but yeah, I, I honestly would be down with like I I used to think I wouldn't be, because I do like the idea that games maintain a coherent narrative. But then I was thinking about the wing like the wing commander character appearances in the old Ultima games. Yep. If you do it in such a way that you never call attention to it, like it never actually becomes a plot point that you know, oh you know Kerrigan and, and Velen met. But if if it's always kind of on the down low, where you know what's going on, but the people in the game never do. Then I might be down for it. I think it could be interesting. It, I mean, it's heck, just... I still I still remember the mute or the the Hydralisk in Warcraft Three. Yeah, it yeah. existed. So th it was there. Yeah. So if it was done in a certain way, then I would absolutely be down for it. Um, I don't necessarily. I used to joke that it would be great if one of the World of Warcraft expansions was just World of Warcraft Sanctuary, and you know we just go to Sanctuary and fight demons for an entire expansion. But then they did Legion, so I'm kind of I'm demoned out for a bit. Um, we, we can do other stuff before we go to Sanctuary. <laughs> All right. Well, Easy Target's going for our trifecta this week because we have another one uh, from our hunter friend. Hi, Watchers. While you were going over possible new allied races, a thought came to mind. Where are where are the Alliance goblins? Surely there are enough that have an axe to grind with the Bilgewater cartel, if not with Gallowix himself. Resnick the Shiv surely cannot be the only one as goblins are very social creatures. I would be cool with Alliance Gobbos. I don't think the Alliance would be down with Gobbos at this point is really what it boils down to. There I was... think part of the problem yeah, part of the problem was is that while all goblins certainly are not allied with the horde, certain goblins have been allied with the horde since Warcraft two. 
Mm-hmm. They, it's it would be like having orcs show up and be like, "No, we're not like those guys. We want to join you." And would you really trust may, them? The alliance, you know, they may really mean it. They may really not be like down with the 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 horde, and they might really want to join the alliance. But let's let's be let's be completely accurate here. A lot of these decisions aren't lore based. They're this is these groups are in this group. It, it's it's they've played with the lines on visual identification quite a bit, but some things are pretty strongly as close to sacrosanct as they can get. And one of them is that you're never going to have certain groups together. You're not going to have trolls join the alliance. Uh, it's not just because of the fact that humans and trolls have hated each other for like since the the the, the troll war. You know, and they, they, the humans came up and wrecked the trolls' chances of beating the Blood Elves, who are at the time the High Elves. It, it's also just doesn't make sense from an identification standpoint. You know, the Horde are these guys. The Alliance are these guys. If you start having, like, what, you know, if if the Syndicate, the, you know, in, in Arathi suddenly were like, no, we want to join the Horde. We hate, we hate the humans. We hate the human nations. Let us join you. Everyone would just be looking at each other like, what, for real? Is he serious? I don't... Part of me actually would love this. You know what I mean? Part of me would love Alliance Goblins. Part of me would love if like some orcs showed up and wanted to join the Alliance. Part of me would love it if there were like humans over on the Horde side. But after a while, why do you have the Alliance and the Horde anymore? Yeah, and I think that, that that's really where you got to look at it from too, right? Like, we've been talking about a third faction or a no faction for years. And part of the reason we don't do that is, well, it's not how they want to do it, but Mm -hmm. how does that work out? And this is sort of the same thing, right? Like you said, it's a game. They make those visual distinctions. If you wanted to make justifications for it, as far as like in game stuff goes, there's quite a bit that you can use to justify it. Uh, The goblins and the, the gnomes are probably the two best examples that we can see in the game, right? Goblins at one point were, there was neutral factions in which they would deal with the Alliance. They would deal with the Horde. They wouldn't pick sides. Hey, the Steam Weedle Cartel's still out there. They are. But what I'm saying is like, now look at it from the perspective of how much war the world has had, how much, uh, all the sieges that have happened, all the, the death and everything, and how many of those things were goblin-made contraptions, right? And look at it from the aspect of like, if it was an average person in the Alliance, do you think that farmer who fought off, you know, at one point was a footman because he was conscripted and fought and, you know, had to fight goblins at one point in time and watch what happens with their, their adventures is going to go. Yeah. Not all goblins are bad. No, he's probably going to remember that the ones he interacted with terrible, wanted to murder him, helped in murdering yeah. his friends and family. Want to murder with a giant robot with a chainsaw hand and a flamethrower hand? Yeah, that's got to be pretty free- freaking you out pretty bad, you know. It's probably some serious, um, <laughs> you know, flashbacking later on to like that time that happened. Now, you know, I, I sometimes really feel bad for the people of Azeroth. It will, and then, and then to, to continue the thought, the other side look at gnomes. Do you think the gnomes would be welcomed into the horde? Look at what happened at Dazar Lore. Do you think Talanji would be like, yeah, cool, let's. Let's just kind of sit here. You didn't murder a whole bunch of my people. Your inventions didn't just cause all this havoc and, and destruction and, you know, make innocents suffer. It wasn't your bombs that were lighting my city on fire while people were running around screaming. Like, yeah, 
there's already justification of why they wouldn't cross-pollinate, so to speak. I think you'd be more likely to see a neutral faction that has these races before you would see cross-pollination between, like, the Horn Alliance going to one side or the other. And I I don't think that third faction is going to happen anytime soon, ever. Yeah, honestly, I mean, there's stuff that I would like, and then there's stuff that's likely to happen. I, I definitely would I'd be okay with a lot of this stuff. I think it would be cool, even if I don't personally want to do it. But, yeah, I don't think we'd necessarily see it. One of the things that keeps coming to mind is, back in the day, EverQuest had a thing called, like, the deserting system. Where you could leave the group you were in, and after a lot of work, build up enough trust yep. that you could join a new group. Yep. And for a while, you'd be in neither group. Because you'd like have left your old one, but the new one hadn't decided to take you yet. I don't know. I, that does not feel like something that would ever happen in World of Warcraft. I don't think they'd ever want to make players spend time trying to get the other group to like them. And I feel like they've made the faction conflict, even even when they're finally letting it die down for a while, they've made it so central to the game. Agreed. That the I mean, and again, I I wouldn't mind it. I'd actually think it would be kind of cool, but. Yeah, I don't, I don't see it happening. All right, moving on. This one comes from Thimbletear, Goblin Mage, and Future Tinker. Greetings, watchers. I was listening to my backlog of podcasts on a long drive the other week and heard y'all address a question regarding the ever-peripheral Tinker class, as well as the idea of subclasses in various other ways of functionally rebooting WoW's class system. From a design perspective, most of those things are nightmares to engineer or balance, but it did get me thinking. With professions becoming more and more bloated, despite expansion-separated profession ranks, and less and less interesting besides being ways to make the same old power-crept gear and consumables, what if we deconstructed the concept of professions and re-injected it into the game as a form of subclassing? Each profession could give a handful, two to three abilities to the character, regardless of base class, and have an abbreviated talent tree for modifying those abilities. Tailoring might leverage its bandage-making abilities to become an off-healer minor spec, using bandages in melee range to patch people up as they are uh, as a grappling hook. Yeah, ooh, people up and as a grappling hook to move to party members. For example, uh, for example, blacksmiths might get something percussive that would disorient their target or do a Thunderclap type AoE ability. And of course, engineering could give any class the ability to have a sort of pet. With a lovingly crafted turret players could modify and plop down to blast their enemies. What do you guys think about something like this as a way to give players some of the fan service they want without having to resort to entirely new classes? And what would you put into a system to breathe some life back into the professional grind? That's a good one. What do you think? I think if you're going to complain that the other ideas are too complicated to engineer... And then you come up with this. <laughs> um, wow, man! If, if I, I salute you, but I don't. I, I that's that's like no, that's too complicated. Now here's my 27 page plan for like no, the, this is just the binder outlining the plan. No, the actual plan comes in these this palette over here. Like whoa, you think this is going to be complicated? Yeesh. But that being said, I would like it if professions had a reason to exist. Other than, you know, the, the same, like, at this point, it feels like inertia is what keeps professions going. And I don't like that. Um, one of the things that keeps coming to my mind is scaling. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we've got, like, you know, we've got time-walking dungeons where the gear scales up to the, the, the current level. Uh, imagine if when you made 
the 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 uh, for instance the true silver champion, or let let's actually go with the the Arcanite Reaper. Let's say you make the Arcanite Reaper, and you're level 120. Imagine if the Arcanite Reaper you made was scaled up to a level 120 weapon, and you didn't need to introduce new. You, you could introduce new items every expansion, but you didn't have to actually worry about them being stat balanced because they would scale up to the character you had, and instead. They were, you know, they would give you the cosmetic stuff you want. They'd give you new looks. And you'd know, okay, I can make this new thing and I can use that. Or I can make the old thing and I can use that. And if I make it at this level, it will scale up. And if the recipes actually used... Every expansion brings in new components. New, you know, like this new ore. It's it, it's the, the one we're using now. Storm, storm ore or whatever. Imagine if the recipes changed to use the new stuff. Like you could just use you could use the twenty storm storm ore from this expansion to do it, or you could use the materials like ghost iron from from like mists, and that that would affect the kind of item it was in terms of looks, but not necessarily its abilities. Uh, I keep coming back to like other games that have crafting systems and how simple they are in comparison to WoW. Um, WoW's crafting for all of its professions is extremely labyrinthine at this point. I'd yeah. like to see something where instead of having to break it up into like 20 different, like this is warlords of Draenor blacksmithing, but that's not important to you. You want battle for Azeroth to like blacksmithing, at least until the next expansion when you'll want storm, you know, you're going to want uh, shadowlands blacksmithing. And so it's like at some point a hammer and an anvil should be good enough. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I, 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 I have a love hate relationship with professions. And this might not be exactly to Fimbletier's question, but something that's always bothered me about professions is they've never seemed important until they were too important not to have and then had to be nerfed back into not important. I would love for them to be meaningful in any capacity, again, that isn't just I can cut a gem to give me more stats or I can actually make a flask. Something more, right? Like you said, like... It's become labyrinthine at this point where there's just so much and there's so many things um, in any of these professions. There's some cool stuff out there like magic carpets and some of the, the flying mounts that you can create with engineering. But I'd love to have them be more meaningful. I wouldn't mind if professions were removed completely and replaced with something else. And this is to bring it back to, to Thimbletear's idea. One of the things I liked about a game called City of Heroes was that whatever you spec as your primary ability, you could also choose a secondary and a tertiary. And the pools that you got for those was smaller and smaller depending on what you chose. So I had a person who was a super reflexes scrapper. They essentially were just lightning quick. That's what they did. But then I took a minor power of he jumped really well because it seemed to fit with me. And then a tertiary one where eh, maybe he had a little darkness power and it added a little extra flavor each step you went down. I would love to see a baseline of maybe secondary. I don't want to say secondary stats or classes. Let's say secondary skills to replace professions where you could choose from a pool of like you're saying like tinkerer or something like that where you could be a shaman tinkerer, a warrior tinkerer, a mage tinkerer, and have sort of these 
a couple abilities that you could choose from to add a little extra flavor to your character. And maybe it's, to me, I would like to see something like that because I think it would be more meaningful. I don't know how the hell you would balance that at all. <laughs> I would not want to think of the nightmare fuel for the devs if they did something more like that. They're already doing something like that with the the factions in kinda, Shadowlands. Kinda, you're modifying you get, base like, abilities. Yeah, if you or if you like, say you're like a mage and you join like the certain group, you get this spell. Whereas if you're a mage and you join the other group, you get a different spell. Um, so there's ways that you could make it work. But I want I want I to just, expand it. <laughs> I just feel like saying that this is a simpler way to do it is is crazy. This is not simple. Um, but, you know, sometimes you do things not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Uh, it certainly could be a way to make these things more unique. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that players have been asking for. I know I personally feel very strongly about this is not just class identification. Like, yes, I miss my class quest. Yes, I miss my flavor, my favorite quests and things like that. But I also miss the idea of customization of my character and making it uniquely mine. And, you know, like we talked about on the pre-show with, like, the different art role-playing games and some of the different stuff that we've experienced over the years, that's something I think WoW has never really truly had is this is very uniquely your character. You can make them look however you want, but your abilities have always been sort of, well, I'm a fire mage. I'm, you know, an arcane mage. I'm a frost mage. And there's not a whole lot of variation in between. Some classes have that a little bit more than others. I'd like to see a little more customization. But we'll see what the future brings. Uh, Matt raised a very good point that they're doing something similar to that with the Covenant abilities. And hopefully we can see that expanded to something that sticks around. Because I also don't want it to be just, oh, this is something that we do for the expansion and it's gone again. Yeah, that is one of the things they've been doing lately since Warlords. Um stuff at the end of expansion tends to be for that expansion and then doesn't come forward or if it does come forward it comes forward in a, like a way that is i want to say attenuated like very much you know the mission table from from warlords went to legion and got pared down i actually think the legion version was slightly better it was pared down enough to be interesting without being overwhelming and now it's in battle for azeroth um, as well and it's yeah in battle for azeroth it's completely ignorable yep it's like whatever um, so yeah, I would like them to, to see them bring, if they do anything like this, it should definitely be something that sticks around. All right. Our next question comes from Shadana. question for Blizzard watch. How far away are we from wow on a cloud gaming platform? Will I be able to play wow on a state of the art computer for a monthly fee? I'm going to let Matt go first because I have a lot of things to say about this. Uh, I'll be honest. I don't entirely understand how this is different than what we have now and that's one of the reasons I put it in here because I figured you would be able to talk about it more intelligently <laughs> than me. Um, I'm like so you want a cloud computer for your WoW? Uh, I don't really get I mean it's like Stadia? Like what, what, are, you, what are you going for here? What, what would this be? Because I mean I don't technically speaking when I play WoW I, I am playing it on somebody else's computer because they have servers. Kinda. So is that what you're talking about? Because they do that so Go ahead and explain it to us, Joe. All right, strap in, kiddies. Uh, so the idea of cloud gaming is not so much that you are playing on somebody else's computer per se, uh, but like you're being able to play it 
anywhere. It's completely agnostic of your device that you're connecting to that service from. Um, a great example of this is something I was recently using called shadowplay.us. Uh, it's a data center service that allows you to have a physical computer installed in a data center that leverages your internet connection as opposed to your hardware. While right now, while it does have a client and server relationship, still relies very heavily on a user's computer, which is why things like your frame rates, your latency, those things matter. And as the game has progressed over time, you've had to keep up with hardware. Uh, look at the graphics changes from, you know, 2004 to now and how vast it's shifted and how much more demanding it has become and how big the game is on your hard drive. I think we're up to like 80 gigs now, something like that. Might be a little bit more. Yeah, that. Yeah. It, it uh, might it oh. might be 96. I can't remember. Well, anyway, Let's it's massive. Way. I I've got a I've got a SSD backup drive on my computer that I like to put WoW on. And I had to completely take WoW off yep. of it because it was using to install it. Yeah, like I had to ins to reinstall WoW, I had to delete WoW. And, and because of the way they update things. So the idea here is to remove the computer from the equation, the, the end user's computer from being a bottleneck, right? So with like Shadowplay, it's something where that system is constantly maintained, updated, and made steady that it's part of the agreement. You pay a monthly fee to access that device from anywhere. And depending on the connection that you're working with, whether it's you know baseline internet all the way up through the, the blazing spat blazing fast gigabit it would be the same experience regardless for you. And this is something I that you could do with some other stuff uh, right now. The problem is Blizzard doesn't want to do this yet. And this is something that a lot of people forget happened a very, very long time ago. Bot farmers, fishing farmers back in the day, and I want to say it was like Wrath of the Lich King age, if I remember the lawsuit time correctly, uh, were creating bots that were running on data center server cloud gaming systems, essentially, to do nothing but farm all of these, these gold, these items and things to, to sort of cash in and break the economy. Blizzard wrote into their end user license agreement that you cannot use cloud gaming with their services. I want them to revisit this because something like shadow for me was really, really important when I was babysitting and not at home and wanting to do stuff because I could play wow on my phone. I could literally play wow on my phone and have the same graphical fidelity as my home gaming PC. And that's where a lot of these platforms are coming from. You mentioned stadia stadia is a terrible example, but it tried to do this at least a little bit. NVIDIA is actually launching something very similar to this as well. I think it's actually out there now. Um, I can't remember the name of the well, service. I know Microsoft's doing one too. They are. To coincide with the, leash, the launch of their Xbox Series X because they want to be able to play Xbox Series X games from your computer or your phone or your iPad or whatever. And, and that's something that, that um, Xbox and PlayStation 4 users are already doing with remote play, right? Uh, they're just tapping into their machine instead of a centralized machine. Uh, and they can connect it. Like I was playing Final Fantasy X on my cell phone while I was at my break at, at work. The idea of cloud gaming coming to something like WoW or to MMOs is something I really hope that they explore in the future. Because not only that, it, it makes it easier on a consumer to pay, you know, X amount a month on top of the sub instead of $5,000 a year or $2,000 a year on on 
a new computer or every couple of years or whatever the case is to keep up and make sure the game's runnable. Um, yeah, not... as as computers get more advanced, you're you're looking at like a two K drop every three or four years to keep cutting edge, or you can take your computer apart and manually buy the newest five to six hundred dollar. Uh, graphics card but then once you did that you probably want to update your hard drive which means oh now you're probably going to want to update. it's just and now the ram snowball. and it just snowballs from there this sort of eliminates it so uh shadna i don't know if we will ever see it with wow i hope that one day we do i hope that wow at the very least would consider removing that restriction blizzard would remove that restriction from their end user license agreement now that we've hit an advanced stage of I want to say technology, because something like this, I think, would be a phenomenal boon to all of us, especially when we're traveling or can't get to uh, that computer and they want to have all this engagement. Let me log in and check my auction house when I'm not home. Let me do some dungeons while I'm, you know, sitting on my lunch at work. Uh, That would be phenomenal. And I think that would breathe a whole lot of life into this game that. I'm not saying that it's dying or anything like that, far from it, but how many players would be more engaged if they could pick up and play a half hour here and there on their phone or on their tablet or, you know, on their friend's computer or their Chromebook or whatever low-end device they have. Technology is there. We just got to get Blizzard to accept it and hopefully embrace it. So that's all the questions we have. I hope uh, you guys enjoyed the show. Uh, Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. Your continued support means this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on the podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Thank you very much, Joe. Uh, Again, guys, if you have an email for the show or a question you want to ask, you can either email us at podcast at blizzardwatch.com, the subject line podcast or blizzardwatch, or you can go to our Discord server and you can post up in the uh, patron queue and podcast questions channel. And uh, we look at both of those. Um, thank you all so much for being here. This has been the Blizzard Watch Podcast. Oh, I should mention, by now the post with our D&D podcast is now up. We, we did one this weekend. Uh, it was interesting, to, to say the <laughs> least. I think stuff happened. I don't know if everyone expected it. Uh, so yeah, if you want to go listen to that, it's up on the site right now. Uh, I wrote the recap today. It wasn't much of a recap because I don't want to tell you what happened. I want you to go listen to it. So yeah, I didn't actually recap anything, but you know, that's the way it goes sometimes with D&D. I think Joe had to do some of the heavy lifting this week because he he learned things about himself he was not expecting. Yeah, it caught me completely off guard, which that doesn't happen very often. So kudos to Matt. And you also listen to the episode because you can actually hear in that moment where I am absolutely dumbfounded. So, yeah, uh, thank you guys so much for listening. uh, And thanks for being here every week with us. We're going to be back next week. 